Let's, uh, let's pray over this time as we enter into a, a time of teaching, reflecting on the Word. Father, help us to think rightly about the things that you have to say. We probably come into this, we've got some wrong ideas. We do, Lord. So teach us. Teach us your ways. Teach us how we should approach things like finances money. Teach us, oh God, why it's important to you and what it says about you. So, Lord, we give you this time. Come and be with us and lead us in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to talk this morning on becoming generous, and uh, if you have your Bibles, it's going to come out of the gospel that we just read, John 6, 1 to 15. So you can open your Bibles to John 6, 1 to 15. That's going to be the basis for what we talk about. Um, Talking about money in church always raises a couple of eyebrows, but let me tell you what, everything is spiritual. There is nothing that has been created, that the Lord Jesus doesn't look at and say, that's mine. I rule over that. Everything is spiritual. And it includes our wallets and our pocketbooks. Uh, There is more teaching in the Bible on money than there is on heaven or hell. So evidently God thinks it's important. So we'll spend some time with it today. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at specifically at the boy that uh, brought the loaves and the fish and see what we can learn from there. So this is about financial freedom. Our Lent, everything we're talking about in Lent is talking about that process of going from being in bondage to the desert to know the Lord so that we can be set free from that bondage, so that we can enter into the life that he wants us to live. So I'm skipping down to verse 5. It says, Jesus looked up. He saw a great crowd coming toward him, and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asks only to test Philip. I mean, he's, he, if you don't think Jesus had a sense of humor, this should point it out. You know, there's 5,000 men. That, who, how many women and children? Who knows? I don't know. But to ask him, say, how are we going to buy food for all these folks? And he's having Philip on, isn't he? But Philip takes it seriously. And Philip answered, Eight months' wages wouldn't buy enough bread for each one just to have a bite. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. I hope you don't put me in charge of it. (laughs) And another of the disciples, Andrew, and, and again, Andrew, I think, is just giving it back to Jesus. I think this was said with a smile on his face. He, he's, uh, he grew up, obviously, with Peter. You know, and Peter would say all kinds of stuff. So Andrew probably had a pretty good sense of humor. So Andrew looks around and, and he sees this boy who's, who's got, you know, some bread and some fish. And he said, hey, Jesus, here, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. <laughs> How far are they going to go, though, among all these people? So I think Andrew's probably joking in all this. I mean, it's a ludicrous thing to even try to answer Jesus' question with that, right? 
These guys are having some fun. But then I, I, I want us to look at what's the perspective of the boy. I mean, here he is. He's come to this, you know, probably because the rest of his family is here too. And he's probably the one he's big enough to carry lunch for everybody. Not, not many people brought lunch. I mean, they traveled quite a distance. But he brought his family's lunch. And what, imagine yourself in, in his place. You know, all of a sudden, here you are, entrusted with your family's food for the day. And, and here's a guy saying, hey, we can take his stuff and try and feed everybody. You know, what, was he nervous about it? What, did he think anything about it? Was he scared? I'm, I'm not sure. But we know eventually, we just read this, we know that he let Jesus have it. And I don't know if he thought he was doing something wrong with it. I don't know if he was excited about it. I, we don't know that stuff. But we know that he let Jesus have it. He was generous with what he had. He didn't hoard it. He didn't start punching Andrew. You know, we wouldn't have this story if he had. Now, God really likes it when we're generous. We, we hear that we're supposed to be a generous people. But we're often not. But God himself is generous. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a letter to the believers, the Jesus followers in a, a city called Corinth. And he said in there, he said, God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It, it brings a smile to God's face when when we look and we share what we have with a good heart and a smile on our face. It makes him happy. Isn't that interesting to think about God being happy? He's probably the happiest being in the, in the entire universe. But that's one of the things that makes him happy. And then Paul goes on to say, God gives, will generously provide everything that you need. And then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. In other words, God will give you enough to share. God wants to provide for you and have you share. Isn't that interesting? That God gives each of us enough for us and enough to share. So why is it that so often we feel like we don't have enough? Well, it probably has more to do with how we handle what he's given us than he's falling down on the job. It has to do with us, not with him. He doesn't give us all we want. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we make too often is we think that everything that comes our way is for us. When we hear right here that it's not all for us. It's so that we have enough for us and that we can share. Uh, a number of us, we, we think we don't have all we need. We, we think there's no way that we have enough to share with, with other people. But the boy with the loaves and fish had plenty to share. And all he had was five 
small loaves, big biscuits, maybe, and two fish. So why was he able to share? It's not because he had a higher standard of living than we do. In the United States, we have one of the highest standards of living in the history of the world. We have more food, more stuff, more free time, and less disease than almost anyone ever has had anywhere at any time. We don't realize how much we've had, but let this give us an idea. If you bring in $1,500 in a year's time, that's less than $30 a week. That's I, I know... Middle school and high school students that make that in a summer mowing lawns and doing stuff like that. If you bring in $1,500 a year, you're in the top 20% of the income earners in the world. We look at that and say it's only $1,500 in a year. That's nothing. Most of the world, 80% of the world looks at that and says, I'll take it. Another example, if, if you have sufficient food, if you have decent clothes, you live in a house or an apartment, and you have a way to get around, even if you don't own it, you're in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. And we look at that and say, oh, you don't have any, you know, you might have, look at yourself and say, I just don't have anything. Oh, you're in the top 15% of the wealthiest people in the world if you have that. We have no idea how wealthy we are. No idea. We have truly been provided not only all we need, but plenty left over to share with others. We truly have. So why do we find it more difficult to give generously? Like we're told to do. I, I think some of it has to do with greed. We just want more. We, we get scared about what happens if I don't have enough because it feels like we don't have enough. And one of the reasons that it feels like we don't have enough is because we spend all that we get. We don't have a cushion. We don't have a savings account. We don't have a retirement account. We don't have anything stuck away for a rainy day. We spend it all. And so when you live on the edge, you have that feeling in your stomach like I'm going to fall over the edge. And you have to find ways to back up from the edge. Not spend all that you have. In order to give generously, you have to be wise with your money and the first thing to do is don't spend everything you have. Spend less than what you get in. Find a way to, to set it aside. Most people really do spend as much as they bring in every month and sometimes more. Peace is found in that margin between what you get and what you spend. The more margin you have, the more peace you find. And it doesn't matter how much you have coming in. You don't have to have 50,000, 100,000, 500,000 coming in 
to find the peace that comes from spending less than you have. When you spend it all, you deprive yourself of peace and of the opportunity to be generous. So be wise. Don't spend everything you have. Second, avoid debt. We're told run from it. Flee from it. Flee from having debt. Why are we told to to not have debt? Why is God so concerned with us not having debt? Credit cards, loans. The guy down the street says the borrower is the slave of the lender. He goes as far as to call it slavery when you're in debt. How in the world is God calling that slavery? Because now someone else gets to tell you what you do with the money that God gives you. You owe it to them. That might determine how much you work. That might determine the other things you don't spend your money on. Being generous with others. Putting the right food on the table. Having a better place to live, having peace in your life. They get to tell you where your paycheck goes. And if you don't make the payment, they take the car back. You're a slave when you owe somebody else. You are indebted. They have a hold on you that you don't get out of until that debt is satisfied. Debt is so common nowadays, we can't imagine what life is like without it. We think that you can raise your standard of living by going into debt. Just put it on a credit card. Everybody's doing it. But everybody is also struggling as a result when they do that. All right, I'm going to take a poll. You don't have to answer this, but I want to know if you're willing to share how many of you how in your household who in here is arguing because you have too much money and you don't know what to do for those of you online i didn't get a single hand but how many people and don't answer this one how many people have out and out fights because your money is too limited and it's already spoken for That's the pressure that you feel because you're enslaved because of debt. Understand that that your money, the things that God entrusts you with, it's a gift that God has shared with you. You only get to manage this for a little while. It's, It's called being a steward. It's not always going to be your money. It comes into your keeping, you manage it, and it goes somewhere else. If you don't believe it, what happens to your stuff when you die? Someone else looks after it, right? It's not yours. You're just managing it for a while. It's called being a steward. Uh, Treat it like you're managing God's money. Everything really belongs to Him. And then He entrusts some of it to you so that you can... Have all you need, be generous with others, and you'll learn more about him in the process. Because God wants you 
to grow up and to share in what he does. He wants you to become more like him. And one of the greatest training places is in our finances. Because our finances have a way of revealing our heart, of getting into our heart. We get nervous, angry, upset, and frustrated over our money. Because it deals with heart issues. But it's not always going to be yours. It's just yours for a time. Now, in in our church, the Anglican Church, we're part of um, the, the... it's more than a national church. We, our, our headquarters, as it were, goes back to all of North America. We're the Anglican Church in North America. So from Mexico to Canada, we're, we have one archbishop. And we've come out with a prayer book in 2019. And it talks about all the services that we do and how you can do things at home and prayer times at home and, and all that's wonderful. Get you one. But here's something that it says in the section that's opening up to talk about burial services. What do you do when people die? And these, these are some words of instruction that it gives. The, it's, the Book of Common Prayer has always admonished Christians to be mindful of their mortality. Be mindful. Be aware of the fact that you are going to not be here one day. Just be aware. I don't want you to be scared. Just be aware. Not everything you have is always going to be yours. It's going to be somebody else's one day. It is therefore the duty of all Christians as faithful stewards. In other words, to recognize that God owns everything that he's put into your hands. You're just managing it, and we call a person that manages somebody else's stuff a steward. It's the duty of all Christians as faithful stewards to draw up a last will and testament. You need a will. Making provision for the well-being of their families and not neglecting to leave bequests for the mission of the church. You have been given all that you need and enough to share with others. Now, while we're on the subject, uh, this is the part that deals with your finances and your stuff. But I'm just also going to tell you this part, too. It goes on, says, in addition, it's important while you're healthy, while in health, to provide direction for one's own funeral arrangements. The place of burial, the scripture readings, the hymns of the burial liturgy. We want to know and make them known to the priest. I have a handful, three, four, five people that have done that and given it to me. And they're healthy people. They are not close to death as far as we know. Any of us can get hit by a car or struck by a meteor anytime. But they're healthy people, but they've done this. And they've thought ahead and said, you know what? In my funeral, I want these scriptures read. I want these songs sung. You know, and they've given that to me. Here's where I want to be buried so that we know. So that part was free. Don't have to pay for it. But you're a steward of your stuff. What are you going to do with your stuff? And here's an example about somebody... Uh, in our congregation, 
who had a good answer to that question. Let me introduce Henry Glover, our administrator. Welcome, Henry. Thank you, Mayor. like to share in these next few minutes is, uh, is how the generosity of one person from our congregation positively affected many others after this person's death. This person passed into glory and had no family to leave um, their worldly goods to. So everything this person had was given to All Souls Church for All Souls' benefit and to the benefit of others as was appropriate. This person's circumstances may not be like us listening today, um, but the message might help others as they seek ways to um, think about this and, and manage this. And as an example, Ella and I, we have family members, and so an option for us might be to leave a portion in our will to come to All Souls Church for the mission and ministry of All Souls Church and for the benefit of others. Okay, so back to this person's gift to the church. All monies raised from the selling of items will go toward paying down the mortgage for All Souls Church including the sale of, of this person's home. Other benefits that have occurred are young lives, and we know who young lives, what ministry that is. They've received furniture items, TV, things to help those young families. One car was sold for cash, and that cash will go into the church, um, as I said earlier. The other car was donated to a person in need, and that was um, a right thing to do. Um, the piano was sold for cash. A, a nice antique cabinet was sold for cash. Teen Challenge Ministries have received many furniture and furnishing items. Teen Challenge will sell those items and help those men and women within that ministry in the lives that they um, are trying to help. There are a number of slightly collectible mugs that were sold for cash along with dishes and mugs and the like. Basically anything that has some value and we had the means to sell them were sold for the benefit of the church. And then the final item will be the house. So the end result is that through this person's generosity, the church mortgage loan will be reduced significantly, and many others will have been helped in many ways. So this is just one example of how our thinking and planning might be a benefit to the church and to others. Thank you. Thank you. If you thought that was a good idea for those people to do that, Sir Henry, your appreciation for sharing it. I asked him to do that. And, and I, I want to be clear about something. I'm not up here trying to show for all souls. That is not what I'm doing. I'm up here because I want you to understand the peace that can come from handling your finances well. You will be more at peace and more able to do what God wants you to do if you can learn how to manage your money wisely. Because that's what God wants for you. He wants you to enter into being able to manage this stuff. Because if you can do it well, be at peace. Have the time, have, have the ability to share whether you think it's this much or this much. This, the person Henry was talking about, not a wealthy person. Not a wealthy person who is helping many people with his generosity. Okay? If when you become a steward of what God has put in your hands, he will provide all that you need. That worry that you have when the month is running out, but the money is running out even faster, 
If you can learn to manage things well, you won't have that worry. And you'll be able to start sharing with people who are really in need. Maybe even help them find what you found. Now, when we are able to put our stuff into God's hands, realize that we manage it on his behalf, God is able to do amazing things with it. Jesus knew what to do with the loaves and fish. The little boy says, okay, here they are. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Thousands of people. How long did that take for them to sit down? They were all talking to each other, wondering what's going on. They had to pass the word. It took a few minutes, I'm sure, for everybody to start sitting down. There was plenty of grass, though, so it was comfortable. They all sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for you have provided grain for us to eat. And then he distributed it, gave it to his disciples. They started, he said, here, take it, start passing it around. And the ones who were seated took as much as they wanted. Not just the first four in line. What was God able to do when the boy put his resources into his hands? He does amazingly more than we can ask or imagine. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is something where God wants to work through you for the benefit of the world. And you say, yeah, but I don't have much to give. And God says, you give, give what you have and watch what I do. They had as much as they wanted. And then he did the same thing with the fish. With the generosity of that little boy, Jesus fed thousands of people. What can he do with the little that we can offer him? When they had had, all had enough to eat, he gave them, he was generous to give them what they needed, right? And more to share, right? When they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Don't waste anything. So they gathered it and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. They had enough for their needs, plus more. Is that not a great example of what we were just told by Paul? God will give you enough for you and enough to share. I wonder. I just wonder, what did they do with all the food that was left over? With the pieces of five little barley loaves, they filled 12 baskets, and everybody had all that they wanted. What did they do with that food? Did they, did they take it and give it to a local ministry? I don't know what they did with it. But it was left over. It was more than they needed. No generosity that you've ever given to God is wasted. God doesn't waste anything. He knows how to manage his stuff. And when we put it in his hands, the things that he can do with it are far greater than the things that we know to do with it. 
Do any of us think that that little boy went hungry that day? No. He had all he needed, too. He was probably sent home with as much or more than he gave. And when you invest a little bit, when you learn how to have some, some margin in your finances, not spending all that you have, not getting into debt, which eats up your margin. When you can have some margin and you're able to give and to share it with someone else, God is trustworthy. He knows how our finances work. He knows what we need. He knows what's good for us. And he's generous to us and teaches us what he's like as we pass it on to others. He does good. For us and through us. So be a steward. Let him use what you have. It's only yours because he gave it to you to begin with. And it's made into so much more when we put it into his hands. Be wise with what you have. Spend less than you take in. Avoid being in debt. It's a trap. It's like slavery, God says. And then be generous in that margin that you create. And know that you cannot outgive God. The promise is, when you're faithful in little, God gives you more. Not some of it's for you and some of it's to share. But when you're faithful in little, God gives you more to manage. So learn how to manage what you have. Amen. If you need help with that, come and see us. We have classes that help you do it. We have people that will walk beside you and and help you do that and learn how to do it because it's scary. And it may be hard to start with, but it's so worth it. It pays off. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn how generous you are by learning how to manage what you've given us to steward. You give us enough for us, and you give us enough to share. Oh, God, help us to to learn what to do with that, to learn how to manage that. Because there's so much you want to do in this world, and you can do it so much better than we can. So, Lord, we appeal to you. And I, I ask your hand to be upon especially those who who find this hard, who, who are in a position where their finances are upside down right now. Oh, God, let them find the help that they need. Come to a class. Have some of us walk along with them and encourage them and help them through this to make that change. Because you want us to be at peace in this area. And to have enough to share. It's part of how we join you in the ministry that you've given us to do. So, Lord, I pray for them that they'll be released from that bondage and come to know you and how good you are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.